Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast, and thanks for making the time to learn and grow with us. Here, you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, let's jump right in. Well, we're starting a new series today, and it's called Selah. Can you say la? That's weird, eh? No, it's weird. Yeah, sorry. I just, I wanted to, that's a very corny joke. Um, but Selah is a word you find all throughout the ancient book of Psalms, the songs and prayers in, uh, in, the, in the book of Psalms in the Old Testament. And often it's a word that is kind of in between phrases, and uh, it's a word that helps us to stop and to listen it's, it's usually not even said, it's just kind of seen, noticed. It's meant to, 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 to indicate a pause. And um, so, so what we're starting today is a series all summer uh, that's going to take us just through a couple of psalms, or various psalms. Now, I'm not going to be the only one sharing these psalms. We have various voices uh, sharing various psalms. And today we're going to kick this off because we want to just spend some time in the psalms this summer. And we're starting off with the first psalm. And there's a reason for that, not because it's the first, but because Psalm 1, it really helps us understand what the psalms are about, um, how, do, how we should approach the psalms, how we should read them. And so if you got your Bible, turn to Psalm uh, 1, and we don't say chapter 1 because it's, it's not Psalm chapter 1, it's actually a psalm, just like a song or a, a collection of poems. This is a collection of psalms or songs or prayers. So Psalm 1, uh, and I'm going to read it, and you can follow off the screen if, uh, if you don't have uh, your Bible with you, and l- let's listen to it. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked... Or take the path that sinners tread, or sit in the seat of scoffers, but their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither. In all they do they prosper. The wicked are not so but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. God, as we jump into this psalm today and various psalms this summer and um, from various voices that will guide us through, God, we just um, surrender Uh, this season of learning and growth to you because we so long to be influenced by your word in this way and help us today uh, just grab our attention. Thank you that the kids are with us today as well, that we get to be together in this way with even a a more diverse age group, God. In your name we pray, amen. Hey kids, I see some of the kids. How are you guys doing? Some of them are coloring, some of them, yeah, that's, that's good. That's cool. Sam, I want to see your drawing afterwards, okay? Okay, sounds good. I want to just start off with this question because this psalm is really about a choice. And the psalms are part of wisdom literature. Wisdom helps us make choices. This psalm is about a choice. And it's asking kind of this question, what life are you pursuing? That's the big question behind Psalm 1, and even as this whole collection of psalms gets kicked off with this first one, what kind of life are we pursuing? That's a choice. How many of you guys struggle with multiple choices? 
Like you walk into, like you're going shopping and you're looking for a shirt and you wish there was only three, but there's like 15. And you're like, do I go white? Do I go black? Do I go blue? Do I go red? Do I go plaid? Do I do the one with the pineapples on it? Which shirt do I choose? And it's, I find that the more choices there are, the harder it is to actually choose. When you go to groceries and you're looking for strawberry jam, I wish there was just like two choices, like strawberry or blueberry. I want strawberry, great. But no, there isn't. There's like normal, light, half light, no salt. Uh, whatever, right? Organic, non-organic, all that kind of stuff. Which brand you're going to take? Ones with real strawberry chunks in it, ones without. Uh, and it gets, I, I don't know about you, but I, I look at all the, like, the choices and it just kind of like, it gets very hard. Um, and you get, who has d decision fatigue when that happens? I, I, I do that. Sometimes, then, then I text my wife, which jam should we buy? Um, this psalm is super simple. There, it's not multiple choice. It's, there's, no, there's not a hundred choices. There's not even ten choices. There's just two simple choices, two ways that are set before us. A faithful way or a faithless way. A faithful path or a faithless path. A way that, that, that reflects God's heart, God's nature, God's purposes, God's wisdom, or a life that does not take notice of God's way, God's wisdom, or God's purposes. We see this right away in verse 1 and 2. And it paints uh, a path for each life. If you read through this psalm, just a path for each life. And it even gives us a sense of an outcome of what that choice, what that response would be. On, on the faithful side, uh, we get the sense that this psalm is inviting us into God's way. In a Jewish mindset, remember, this is like pre-New Testament, before Jesus ever walked, uh, you know, the earth. This was immersed in Jewish culture, immersed in Jewish faith and in Judaism. So for them, it was thinking about Torah, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, the law and the prophets, uh, you know, and it was, it was considering someone who was a Torah-keeping person. When we look at the New Testament and we see the mother of Jesus, Mary, her husband, Joseph, was called a righteous man. He was called a tzaddik. A tzaddik was a Torah-following Jew. Joseph loved the way of the Lord and followed the way of the Lord. So he was called a righteous person, someone who followed God's way. It can get even simpler than this if we think of like the Ten Commandments, right? In a sense, the Ten Commandments come to mind. You know, really simple way of considering how Jews would have thought, how do we honor God? How do we follow this path that is before us? So some things in the Ten Commandments are like honor life or stay content and don't covet or trust God enough to rest. Recognize nothing else is worth my worship but God alone. Trust that sexual faithfulness when married is life-giving. Recognize the intrinsic value in everybody I meet. And so we get this sense in a sim simple way. It's like, oh, this is maybe the way that God has before us in Christ we see Jesus summarizing all this in what we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's pretty simple. The way of God is pretty simple. It's not always easy, though. Because whether we follow a, the simple path or we follow a simple invitation, love God and love others, it often goes against the, uh, the grain of predominant culture. And it often goes against, uh, you know, kind of the path that's set before us in culture. And so our choice stands out. Our choice sometimes becomes or often becomes a contrast. 
But this, this psalm also lays out another side, not a faithful path, but a faithless path, or one that doesn't take notice of God's ways, doesn't take notice of Torah or the fulfillment of all that in Christ. So someone might say, well, my seven-day week is 100% mine, and I'm going to do with it what I want, and I don't want to think about this idea of Sabbath I'm going to work and make everything and do everything, and it's all going to rely on me because I have the power and freedom to do it. I'm going to worship what I want. God isn't primary. I can worship anything I want. I'm going to follow my attraction to any person, any man or woman I meet. No one can tell me who or what or how I should love. I, I don't want to take notice of any of these things. And in a sense, this psalm is pretty clear. You're actually, we're free to choose either way. We're free to respond to either path. We can live a way that takes notice of God's path or we can live in a way that takes no notice of God's path. And the big idea here that the psalmist wants to get across is he actually starts with the word happy or in a more spiritual version, you might have the word blessed. Spiritual people like to use the word blessed. I'm blessed. But the actual word is happy. But it, it, in a sense, it means something similar. It means blessed or it means content or it means whole or it means, you know, well-being. One who is, you will become whole or blessed or content or happy when you walk this path. Happy are those who walk this path. Unhappy are those who walk the other path. Now, this doesn't mean that the way of the Lord is a killjoy. You know, this is, oh man, this is just a horrible life. But do it anyway because God asks you to do it. Or, you know, there's joy on the other path, but I'm going to follow God's limiting way because he's God. No, that's not, that's not what's presented here. Instead, it's happy are those who choose God's way. Blessed are those who are shaped by God's way. Goodness is part of those who walk this path. I know that in our day-to-day -day life and some decisions and some circumstances, obviously we have roller coasters that, that, that we hit or circumstances that we hit or, or we think because we do something, we're going to get something out of it. This is not a direct situation, a direct result for every decision in our life. But in general, wisdom literature is saying it's smart, it's wise, it's beneficial, it's hopeful, it's good to choose this path. Why? Because we would believe that God's way, God's word, God's wisdom is the source of the best life possible. Verse 3 helps us get this picture. Verse 3 describes this kind of life with a metaphor. Who loves trees? Anybody love trees? I love trees. Trees are awesome. And this is here. They are like trees planted by streams of water which yield their fruit in its season and their leaves do not wither. In all that they do, they prosper. In other words, the one who walks this path will discover a health, a productivity, a resilience that comes with this life. And I was thinking about this, this description, and I was thinking about what most of us are struggling with during this kind of almost post-COVID end of pandemic or however we want to describe the situation we're in, because most people are experiencing some kind of either extreme or subtle or everywhere in between post-trauma experience where I say, I don't feel healthy. I don't feel productive. I don't feel resilient. I feel unhealthy. I feel unproductive. 
I feel unresilient and I'm struggling that way. And maybe you feel like verse 4, like chaff that the wind drives away. Kind of the wind just blows that away. It's like, oh, I, I have no strength to hold this through. I have no capacity. And the opposite is chaff, just being blown away easily. Little fruit, little resilience. But the psalm writer gives us this amazing image of a tree. I don't live in the forest or I don't live in the woods or I don't even live halfway in between like St. Lazar or something where you have forests in the backyard. Uh, but we do have like 50-year-old trees in our neighborhoods. And, and last night my wife and I were sitting on our deck and we're like looking at, you know, the, the maple and other trees in our neighborhoods. We're like, we just felt encouraged, blessed, happy, content that we, we just get to see these, these trees and experiencing them because it's a beautiful sign of life. And here's this image the psalm writer gives us of trees. It's not an isolated tree. It's not all by itself. And it's not without nurture. It's rooted exactly in the right place for it to be healthy, productive, and resilient. And it's rooted by streams. The, the metaphor here that we get from verse 2 is that these streams are really God's word and God's will. It's not like just water. But when, when things are beside streams, you can see that like there's, it's, there's green everywhere. Things are growing because the water just, you know, infiltrates the ground and the soil and things around the streams grow. It's a metaphor to God's word. N.T. Wright says it this way, that the one who the scripture is talking about here is, is drawing up the life and presence of Yahweh by putting their roots down into his word. Now, that's just one idea from Psalm 1. If you want to unpack that, go like flip over your Bible to Psalm 119. And there's the longest psalm that keeps repeating this same refrain over and over again. Get connected to God's word. Get rooted in God's word. Get rooted in God's thoughts. Get rooted in God's ways. Get rooted in God's ideas. So you can head over there to really unpack this. Um, another author, his name is Leslie Brandt. He wrote this uh, a really great book called Psalms Now, where he kind of paraphrases the Psalms. And this is what he writes here. He says, this person's ultimate concern is the will of God. He makes his daily decisions to respect, on, to respect it. So how do we do this? How do we, how do we become like this tree? How do we get rooted in this way? How do we nurture this kind of life? If we want to choose this path, if we want to choose this life, how do we nurture it? Well, it comes to streams. Now, streams can come, you know, in the woods or in the wilderness, and they can be there. And, you know, like you said before, there was, it was very healthy. In the city, we can't do this. In the city, we manufacture streams. We have hoses, right? We have sprinkler systems. Um, we have soaker hoses that you kind of put along trees in your lawn and your property. you got watering trucks, you know, driving around up and down the city to kind of water the flowers. That's our way of kind of having streams in the city. But the big idea of streams here is another word that some translators use, they use the word channel. And there's another picture I want you to see because this is a helpful understanding of a different kind of stream. You can tell that this is like, this is pretty man-made, right? You can see that somebody dug this up or somebody planted these trees and then plant, then irrigated or like dug these trenches to get some kind of water source from far away into this area so these trees can grow. And I really love that image because that's very intentional. That's like a dugout channel, a dugout stream to secure that the tree is watered. 
Now, to be honest, I don't know if the psalm writer meant that this tree got planted by streams of water or the tree was there and they brought streams of water to it. I don't know. We really don't know. We just know the metaphor is the idea of a tree planted by streams of water. But I love that thought that this is very intentional for us. And it makes me ask this question, and I, wanna, I want you to ask this question. I want you to think about this as we think about this psalm and even the rest of the psalms. What streams are in your life that water you? What streams are in your life that water you? Maybe it's where do I plant myself? Or, or maybe what like, you know, trenches am I digging to make sure that the water source is getting to me or that I'm exposed to it? What streams are in your life that water you? I mean, we, we could say this on a very practical level. You know, if someone wants to be healthy, maybe one of those streams is like, you know, I run twice a week or I go to the gym or I try and eat healthy or, you know, I, I kind of hang around with some people that help me think about these things. Maybe that's, you know, maybe someone who's thinking about, like, how do I be healthy financially? You know, I, I've, I've been I encouraged to follow a budget, so this budget is my stream or something like that. You might think about it that way, but I want you to think about it another way. There's three kind of images in this, in this psalm. And the first one is the circle that you keep. The circle of friends that you keep. Verse 1 gives us the negative side of this. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path that sinners tread or sit in the seat of scoffers. In other words, the psalm is saying there's a circle that you're part of and that circle becomes your influence. The people you hang out with, the people you walk with, the people you stand around, the people you're friends with. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that someone who follows Christ or walks God's way is never associated with anybody that thinks differently than them. That's not true. We're in the world, right? We're part of the world. And we should have friends and love people around us, neighbors, friends, family, that think different than us, that don't even want to be part of this way. That's okay. That, that's part of who it, what it means to be a follower of Christ is to love those, everyone around us. Christian or not Christian, following God's way, not following God's way. But this idea of circle is who do we allow to influence us? It's who's in my circle that I constantly get influenced by. And so that could be the echo chamber of like, social ideas you're always listening to. That could mean that you're not just friends and colleagues and hang out with people at work, but you're part of a circle that now they've become the ultimate influence in your life. That's a stream. That's a circle. I've seen people make horrible decisions in life. Horrible decisions in life, and it gets rooted to Oh, the, the circle they were in kept saying, you should do that. You should do that. This is the best thing for you. You should scrap this. You should, you know. And, and it's been that, it was that circle. And so here's this idea. And I put it on the screen. The kind of life you want is nurtured by the kind of company you keep. And I know like there's, there's teens here and kids here and young adults. And you're thinking, well, that's good for young people. You know, the young people should like they should really choose their friends wisely. But this is like important for all ages. I've seen like 60 and 70 year olds make bad decisions because of the company they keep. 
It's, a, it's like, it's for the kids hanging around with us today. It's for teens. It's for young adults. It's for all ages. The kind of life you want is nurtured by the company you keep. That's one of the streams or channels I think this psalm is referring to. The next one is, is the idea of the content that influences our life and the conversation. Verse 2, right? The, like he says, their delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, they meditate day and night. In other words, God's law, God's word, God's way is their content. The content is God's word. The content is God's message to us. But it's not just content, it's conversation. Because the word meditate, like when I say the word meditate, what do you guys think of? Pray. Someone who just said pray, think. Yeah, someone just lifted up their hands like they're meditating. Uh, yeah, sometimes we're like, mm, like I kind of like think about something over and over again. I'm reflecting on it, journaling. But the word meditate is really to process something, right? It's to think about it, turn it over, dialogue with it. So if I want to meditate, like me and Marco are chatting, if I really want to meditate, we're going to dialogue over an idea so much that now we've processed it together. So now we've meditated over Cool, Marco, we'll do that after? Okay, smart. So, so it's not just in your head, it's in your conversation. And the idea here is that God's ways are on our lips. That we process and learn and emphasize and remember and discern and discuss. And I don't know if, do you guys get this sometimes? That what's on our lips a lot is really what's kind of going on in our minds and our hearts. So my wife noticed this. Uh, there was a, a moment when, you know, she challenged me on how I valued money and security. And I said, what are you talking about? And I said, you know, we, our budget is set up in a way that, like, we value generosity and, and uh, saving and, and stewardship and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, we track all that stuff. And then she said, well, but when, you talk, when you're talking with your brother, often I hear you guys talking about money. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And I thought, shoot, that's true. Like, maybe there's an over, like, it's, we think we're X, Y, Z, but the things we talk about. So then a few times my brother and I vowed to not talk about money for like two months. Because we knew that it became like what's on our lips is what became the thing we meditated on. So here's this next idea. The kind of life you want is nurtured by the kind of content that takes up the space in your conversation. Think about that. The kind of life you want is nurtured by the kind of content that takes up the space in your conversation. You can't just say, I believe this, I agree with this, this is the way my life is set up. Track your conversations. Track what you're really meditating on with the people in your life, what you're really nurturing. Now, it doesn't mean you can't talk about these other things. It doesn't mean that, we said this a couple of weeks ago, I think. It's not, it doesn't mean that 24-7 you're talking about God's word. 24-7 you're talking about, you know, something in the scriptures. 24-7 you're talking about Jesus. No, it's not that. It's that, but it's like, what is taking up the space in my go-to conversations? That's something that, that's a stream in our life. And the third one is this, that's in this text. And I think is really uh, a helpful look. It's the idea of community. That's different from, from a circle. And it's different from conversation. It's a community that we allow to shape, our, to shape us. So look, look what, what the psalm writer says. He says about, about those that choose the path that, do, that doesn't notice God's way. 
the, the word or the, the metaphor there is the wicked. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. So the wicked, they will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation. Now, right away, when you guys hear stand in the judgment, you sometimes will automatically, if you've been around the church long enough or read the scriptures enough, you're like, oh, okay, this person is not going to make it through the judgment. This person is not going to make it through the final judgment of God or, or what we read about, uh, you know, before before God brings about new creation or even a final judgment of who we are. No, that, that's not what this is talking about. To stand in the judgment is saying that this person doesn't stand in a community of input, in a community that he, allow, he or she allows them to judge. See, judging is only saying, I'm not going to do this, I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm going to go red, not blue. Uh, I'm not going to walk this path, I'm going to walk this path. I think this is the better way to spend my day. And so to not stand in that judgment means that you, th this person does not allow themselves to have a communal discernment team in their life. It's not part of a community of people that helps them discern. Those that choose a faithless way or a way not aligned with God's way, they'll never stand in a community of judgment. In other words, they won't stand in a community of people where they allow input into their lives and that's why they go astray and that's why they walk off God's path in other words this person that's being described here doesn't allow people to speak into their lives they never stand in judgment they never stand with people that can speak truth into their lives that's so important we need community to help us live wisely to help us discern and then this person also does not sit in the congregation of the righteous in other words someone who doesn't long for God's way will not will struggle to interact with a community of people pursuing God I mean people can explore a community of faith people can explore a community um, to see if if they will make steps towards that community becoming an important piece of their lives. But generally, this is just like a two-choice thing in this psalm. A person who doesn't choose God's path doesn't want to sit in a community of people who are pursuing God's way because that's not the path they're choosing. So then community, I would say this way, and here's the last line. The kind of life you want is nurtured by the kind of community that helps you discern and live that life. The kind of life you want is nurtured by the kind of community that helps you discern and then live that life. So think about these streams. The circle we put ourselves in, the content and conversation that become reflective of our life, and the community that we allow ourselves to be into so we can receive truth, so we can receive input so we yes i'm going to use judgment in a positive way so we could even be judged now i know that we've seen situations where this goes bad but we're going to think of the best situations where the right kind of people with the right kind of truth are in our lives so the circle the content the conversation the community all channels that make up this rich soil this rich nourishment where this tree grows where this life grows where this path grows 
And here, here, here's the, the thing in this psalm. You can choose. The psalm is giving us a choice. That's what wisdom literature is. It's, it's helping us come to a choice, a response. And here's my question. Do you trust that way? Do you trust God's way in this? Now, here's one thing that I think we're going we're gonna to struggle with. When we choose a way, we're automatically going to feel limited. Isn't it true? Like, I, so I hate just picking out people, but I'm just going to pick Josh. Like, if I say, Josh, come walk to me, have I limited him? Josh, have I limited you? If I say, Josh, can you come walk to me? No? It's, I guess it's your choice. <laughs> but if, if he says yes, he's not going to walk to Marco. He's going to walk to me. He's not going to walk out the door. He's going to walk to me. His choice has now given him some kind of a limitation because he's chosen a way to nurture his life. That's where trust comes in. Do we trust? Here's the thing. Do we trust God's way? Do we trust God's word? Do we trust God's wisdom? Because the key to all these channels is that God's the source. The key to all these channels is that his wisdom, his way, fulfilled in Christ is the source. Is that limiting? You know what? It is limiting. But is, is your GPS limiting? Your GPS limits you. Like when you press in, like I hate, again, options, like four options. You want to go the fastest way? You want to go 21 minutes, 24 minutes? What about this tour? But generally, it, does, it doesn't take you around the whole city. The GPS is like, just follow this path, and then we're, we're following. So automatically, we are limiting ourselves to where we're not going, right? You know music is limiting? If the band today, if, if, if Josh and Louise and Alex would have chosen a different time signature each, it would have been horrible here. If Louise and Alex chose a different key to play in, everyone would have walked out. Like, this song is horrible. I can't even sing it. This is, this is driving me nuts. This is not worship. This is horror, right? And so, but what happens? You trust the timing and the key to make a coherent melody, right? That choice of a time signature and a key is limiting. Who, uh, you know, Amy bakes here, and if so, she really bakes some really good uh, zucchini chocolate chip muffins, okay? So if you ever have them, uh, you're, you're going to love them. Now, if I'm like, Amy, can you put some, like, uh, cilantro in there? Look, right away, like, her face is like, that's disgusting. Because, you know, you just kind of follow the recipe. Recipes are limiting, right? You trust that the ingredients make a delicious meal. Grammar is limiting, too. If you never follow commas or semicolons or exclamation marks or periods or anything like that, you're, like, no one's going to read your stuff, right? So you trust the principles. And my last illustration, colors are limiting. Because we bring together, right, an atmosphere in a room, decor, a painting, art, and we use colors wisely. Those aren't none of those are bad limits. They're all good limits. We allow those limits into our lives because we're looking for the outcome that those limits are going to bring to us. We allow for God's wisdom and God's way into our life, knowing that there are some limitations, not because um, it's going to take us to a bad place, but because we know that that's the direction it's taking me in. Unfortunately, we have unknown limits in our world. If you're on social media, the algorithms are limiting you because they're telling you often what to look at and where to go and what you're streaming and you just kind of scroll down and it's like, you're not choosing that. You're actually limited to the algorithms of your last choice. 
Isn't that horrible? That sucks, eh? That's true. Your friend group, your networks, sometimes the books we read, they're all channels that shape our life. So we're choosing, this psalm is saying, will you choose this way? Will you choose this way? And here's the choice, and we're going to end with this. Which way do you want to go? What source are the streams in your life coming from? And will you respond? Because this, this is the, the way of wisdom in this psalm. Do you want to choose the way that will bring a life like a tree that's planted by streams of water? Or do you want to choose a way that will build a life that can be blown away by the wind? And as we read the psalms, we actually are confronted with this choice. That's why some of the psalms you see a struggle going on because some of the prayers and some of the laments are saying, God, why did it turn out this way? Why did it turn out that way? God, I thought, I thought following you was going to be this, but I'm walking through a struggle now. And so often there is some of that tension because not everything works out perfectly. But ultimately, the trust is God's way is the best way forward. And we called this series Selah. Next week, John Wayne's going to share a psalm with us. And the week after, Nathan will and a few others this summer. And I'll come back with one or two more. But Selah means, can mean stop and listen. So this is what I ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to take this summer as we walk through these psalms to stop and listen. To stop and listen. A Selah is like an interlude. You know, Part of the, a verse is read, then you stop. Maybe there's a musical interlude, and then the next part comes. It's a stop and listen. So here's my invitation. We stop, we listen to the wisdom, and the way in these psalms. And, it, and if you can be present to the word and wisdom in the psalms this summer, two things are going to happen. One, you're going to be present to what's God doing, what God is doing in your life right now. Secondly, you're going to be able to be more prepared for what God does in your life next. That's, part of, that's, what, that's what this Selah is for. Selah is not just to stop and pause. Selah is like, be present to the moment, but be ready for what comes next. This summer is such an amazing opportunity for you and I, because we can be present in the moment of this summer, but we can also be saying, Lord, what's next? Lord, do in me now so I'm ready for what's next. Shape in me now so I'm ready for what's next. Give me wisdom for today, but also so I can be ready for tomorrow. Confront me today so I can prevent something tomorrow. So stop and listen. And then I'm going to invite Amy to come up and actually pray for us before we end our gathering. And I, I, I would love for us to do this. If We're going to have different psalms all throughout. If you would just, through, through each psalm, choose... Uh, allow that psalm to become a prayer. Maybe the verse today, verse 3, I think is a great prayer, right? Imagine we prayed for the next week. God, make me a tree planted by streams of water. Your word, your wisdom, your way. So that I can be a person who yields fruit in its season. So I can be a person whose leaves, whose fruit, whose actions do not wither. So I can be a person who prospers in your way. What if we, we just, again, you got to stop and listen and say, Lord, where's the prayer here? Where's the prayer here? So I'm going to invite you to do that this summer as we listen to these psalms. Don't just listen. Stop and listen. Receive. And then say, how do I turn this into a prayer?
how do I turn this into, the, into a prayer? Halfway through the summer when we have a short break for our Sundays, um, we're inviting people to host a small group anytime, Sunday morning, Sunday night, evening, once in those, that two-week period. And that's a moment where you can even dialogue even more around this theme that the Psalms are bringing us. I'm going to invite Amy to come. And I thought it'd be great to have um, a different voice pray in response uh, to today's message. So Amy, go for it and then, then wrap it up for us. Great. Thanks, Dave. God, thank you so much for the Psalms, for the wisdom that they can offer us each day, even designed in small little chunks. You know our lives are full, God, and we just long for you to be a part of them each day. God, help us to find moments to stop and listen and be attentive to your voice. You have set the boundaries for us in pleasant places, Lord. May we delight in your law that is for our good, God. We want to glorify you in our thoughts, in our actions, in our words, uh, in all the different environments we find ourselves in. Bring people around us, God, this summer uh, to encourage us to speak truth and help us um, to hear those voices and filter them through the truth of your word, God. Um, just thank you for this time and um, that we've been able to share together. Go with us throughout this week and the rest of this day. And um, may we just honor you and bring you glory in, in all we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, even if you're not into church or religion. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com forward slash giving. Until next time, peace.